hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. Mark, I have a question for you. Go for it. So the Happiness Patrol is a somewhat quirky Doctor Who adventure, certainly visually, uh, possibly conceptually. What do you think about like the more surreal Doctor Who adventures and what's your favourite? Ah, that's a good question. It, it probably is this one. Um, just because my attachment to it from childhood. Um, but I, I love it. The quirky, the better, really. I think Doctor Who can just do anything. So you can you can get something like this. You can get something, you know, much more grounded and serious, um, even within the same series, um, the, you know, the, the, the difference in tone. Um, and I love that. I think the way, particularly Classic Who, in the wilderness year, we had all that time where, you just whatever your whatever mood took you. You had a Doctor Who yeah. story to watch. If you wanted to watch something really funny, you could see, see your death on. If you, uh, you know, if you wanted something like, you know, the Deadly Assassin that was a bit more kind of uh, you know politics and, and, and seriousness. So if you, yeah, I, I, if you can't sleep, you can put on the Dominators. You know, yeah, like, like, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I've got to stop going on about that. I'm gonna have people coming after me. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, the, the quirkier, the better, the, the, the greater the variety of types of story, the better, I think, for me. Like this season alone, uh, it's almost like tonal whiplash you get from story to story. You have Remembrance, which is like a, a period piece, but like an action story with like uh, some political commentary. You've got this one, which is studio bound and uh, kind of daft looking, but serious underneath. You got Silver Nemesis, which is kind of essentially like a bit of a comedy, isn't it? A bit of a runaround, and then you've got Great Show, which is like a, a very surreal, um, sort of epic science fiction story. It's it's all over the place, but glorious for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love um, I love the Great Show in the Galaxy as well. Um, yeah, and, and then the different characters you get in, in that type of story as well, like. Um, the uh, all the people that come along to audition for the psychic circus, yeah, um, yeah some some great characters in that. Do you want me to do yeah. something unpleasant to your face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? What's the 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 the, the specky geek called? Um, yeah, whiskey. God. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not as good as it used to be, but I'm still very interested. <laughs> like. I mean, of all the cheap, I mean that that this may be like, oh, how dare they put on Bertie Bassett and Margaret Thatcher? Yeah. I mean, that's just slagging us off there. <laughs> yeah, certainly a certain type of Doctor Who fan, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, off, off mic. <laughs> I, I have those exact glasses, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a time when, uh, you know, there's a vocal minority of fans where there was like DWB were really gunning for um, John Nathan Turner. Yeah. So uh, you, you can maybe understand him wanting to... Uh, to lampoon that a little bit. Have you seen that glorious like points of view episode where they've got uh Pip and Jane Baker versus Chris Chibnall? Yeah. <gasps> oh my god. And Chibnall just looks like the absolute stereotypical geek, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> he's like no, there wasn't really much to it, was there? Oh, <laughs> skip forward, you know, three decades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we haven't even touched on Chibnall Who, but I'm going to ask you about that later. Um, mm. Right now, shall we head into The Happiness Patrol Episode 3? Yeah. Okie dokie. So let's go in 5, 4, 3, 2, 
one. Let's go. So about the titles. Also, you said these are your favourites, but okay, these aside. Yeah. Uh, talking classic and new, what would be your favourite titles? I think after these, I really like the eleven, the original eleventh Doctor ones, the the, the series five, um, the, um, the 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 time tunnel there with the TARDIS getting hit by lightning. Um, I really like that arrangement of theme tune. I like the way that those titles seem to reflect that dark fairy tale idea that Stephen Moffat had for for the eleventh Doctor. Um, yeah, those ones just um, just really stuck for me. But it, yeah, I mean. They're I love them all. Great. I think there was yeah. a phase when I was a, when I was a kid and, and watching them over again on video when I just would never I've heard these so many times um, that I would just always always fast forward through them to the extent where they, they sort of slightly annoyed by them. But but now yeah, I always watch them. Um, I, I can't hear the titles now without wanting to turn them down because I'm scared my mum's going to knock on the door. I know I keep talking <laughs> about this, but honestly, it had an impact on me. <laughs> If I turn it down, it's it's, uh, yeah, it's in the summer or something. That maybe we've got like um, the the back door open, a window open, and I don't want the neighbours to to know that we're Doctor Who fans. So I'll turn it down a little oh bit. Oh my god, have them. you been there as well? I've done that too. You know where I've I've kept it low just for the music, and then I turn it up again for the episode. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's people who are comfortable with everybody knowing they're Doctor Who fan, and, and I'm the other type of Doctor Who fan where like nobody at work knows yeah. I'm a fan. That, that does a podcast and has got like you know loads of toys and stuff someone asked me recently i was like oh yeah i podcast and they were like oh wow what about and i was like doctor who and they just looked at me with an arched eyebrow and went why <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it you just i feel like it wouldn't be taken as seriously at work um if, if, if people knew that about it. and part of that is a holdover from in the 80s when yeah you know doctor who fans had like that kind of whiz kid Reputation, and that was that was what um, people immediately thought of. And wasn't there a character on EastEnders for a while as well? Who was mm-hmm. this is going back to the nineties? Who was very a very stereotypical fan, but that was what was in the public consciousness, and yeah. you never sort of quite get over that. And even when it was its absolute peak with David Tennant, and everybody was watching it, and even like Tesco's was full of Doctor Who toys in the toy aisle, uh, and never was was at the oh, stage where. Okay. Uh, I would say to people, yeah, I'm a big doctor. I think when the new series hit, that's when I got over it. And now I just let everybody know and I don't care. But, you know, in, God, in the early 2000s, this, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. I had a group of work friends over and they were kind of youngish, hippish. Yeah. And I had all my Doctor Who stuff in the living room. I took it all out and hid it under my bed when they came over. Like now I would never do that. I, I, I want a life-size Dalek in my living room now. But, you know. The things we do. Yeah, the um, my my wife when I first met her and um, and and the first time she came over, I hit on my doctor who stuff. So uh, can I ask you, you know, um, when you came out to your wife as a Doctor Who fan, um, how did that go? Uh, well, we we met in two thousand and six, and it was between oh, it must have been between series two and three. So it wasn't until I think series three was broadcast that I was like. Uh, I want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to introduce it to them gradually, I think. Uh, are you married? Yes. Yeah. How long have you been married? Coming up seven years now. Oh, so she understands the depths of your. Oh yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. good. She knows yeah. now. Yeah, once we uh, <laughs> once we moved in together, 
And um, I got a room, uh, I'm really lucky to have a room as my study that just sort of houses all my Doctor Who stuff. Um, and I can justify it a lot more now that I'm working from home, that, right, um, yeah. <laughs> that I've got a room uh, to myself like that. Um, so yeah, she just as long as it's nowhere else in the house, she, uh -huh, she's so, happy. Okay, uh, I realise we've got, <clears throat> we strayed from having this patrol, but who cares right now? This is so interesting. <laughs> so I used to have a part of my ex, um, <clears throat> he would only let it be in one room. And it's alien to me because my partner of two and a half years now, he wants it everywhere. He's like, he says, you love it. Let's just put it everywhere. I'm so, I'm like, okay. So I've got books in the living room. I've got toys up in the dining room. And it's, yeah. Even I go, do you know what? Should we just like put some of that aside? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's like when we when we bought a new house and she was like show people around, I was like, no, just just close that door. Don't, don't let me see that. <laughs> and she said, but if it says a door closed upstairs and she don't let anybody see it, their their minds are working overtime. They'll think it's like yeah. a sex dungeon or something. Yeah. And I said they would rather they thought that than knew mm -hmm. that it was full of Doctor Who stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, so next time, just go, yeah, that's just a sex dungeon. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't open that door. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so we, we just missed Sylvester McCoy singing, which uh, I really like that little scene where he, uh, he stands in front of the microphone and he can't resist having a little sing. Oh, my word. This whole sequence. Okay. This is one of those moments where I think when I was younger, I was deeply embarrassed. Yeah. I think I would be watching this bit with anybody else. This this isn't um, this isn't Oxford its best, is it? With the uh, with the overtop laughing. And you know, like just like the whole scale of it, it's, it's supposed to be like a massive square, isn't it? A big protest. It's a tiny studio with a few extras and McCoy laughing his head off, and an actress, you know, have a nice death. You know, it's all very. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of a bit in Guardians of the Galaxy with um, with, with Quinn and Rocket, and he's like, "That's a fake laugh." No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Even the camera just—did you see the camera just bumped? Then it just literally yeah. <laughs> like jumped. Oh no! And look, as if it wasn't enough, they've even brought in the go kart. Yeah. <laughs> And the yet. TARDIS is very striking, though, isn't it? Um, I was at the, uh, the the Warp Convention a couple of years ago, and there was uh, a couple of people from Character Options there, and they produced, uh, I think, two like complete um, the, the Character Options TARDIS that they painted pink uh, exactly to match, and these are the only two that ever ever going to be produced, and they auctioned them off for charity. Well, do you know, um, I, so I hold in my hands right now a very small TARDIS, but I have about four of these. Do you think I should just paint one pink? Go for it. And then there'll be three out there. But this one will be unique. But what's striking about this episode is, yeah, obviously that's a little bit agonising, what we just saw there. But then you contrast that with the final confrontation between the Doctor and Helen A. And that's one of the most incredible scenes in the whole of Doctor Who. Yeah. And that, that, that sort of one-on-one -on -one confrontation works a lot better, doesn't it? Um, but that, that kind of is Doctor Who in a nutshell, isn't it? Especially classic Who. I feel like you've got half of it is um, like exceptional television and half of it is being made on a <laughs> shoestring by 
ropey actors and you know what but i love all of it and 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 within the same story sometimes within the same scene you know yeah it's it's great the, the mccoy era especially you you have the doctor uh, you know defeating people more psychologically in a way doesn't he I mean, obviously he brings down the regime here um but there's the scene where um he ends up with, with helen a just in tears um and and, and a says should we do something and he just says you know tis done and and the same with uh, Morgane in Battlefield, it just ends up with her completely bereft. You know, she's not killed in a way that traditionally your Doctor Who villains would, would be killed off. She's just kind of broken at the end. Um, I suppose a little bit like the um, him just talking the uh, Supreme Dalek um, into blowing itself up at the end of Remembrance as well. It's it's about defeating them more profoundly, I suppose, than, than just killing them, isn't it? which you know we've kind of adjusted to in colin baker's time uh, yeah <laughs> i love the bit as well it's not him defeating a villain but you remember that bit in delton abandonment where he just looks off off uh camera and goes love's never been known for its rationality he was so good at getting in those like tiny emotional bees and there's a whole yeah. story there in that one line that we're not seeing Oh no! I Fifi, love this line about the, um, the about Fifi, the cigarettes. I think it is, and he says he's met one in 21st century Birmingham. Um, like, <laughs> um, it, it's like bringing it, bringing it back to earth, and, and sort of Birmingham, but in the 21st yeah. century. Thing, there's a great unseen story there, isn't there, with a cigarette running around? Um, I'm surprised, you know, in the wilderness years, no one plugged that gap, you know, in a book or an audio. <laughs> Because they've plugged pretty much all the rest. Um, but you know what? The Doctor... Okay, so you and I, perhaps, are like terrible name droppers. The Doctor's a terrible, like, adventure dropper. So even at yeah. the beginning of this story, he's going, oh, yeah, I saw dinosaurs in central London. Oh, you show off. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's... It's, it, is it the most referenced story? Because it's the first thing that the fourth Doctor's talking about, isn't it? When he's... Uh... Oh yeah! And just as he's waking up from from regeneration. Well, and I'm then, uh, I'm going to say that Cy Hart came on, and he and I did six glorious episodes of the Invasion of the Dinosaur, so it needs as many references as possible. Yeah, I yeah, I love the episode. <laughs> they great, and then and I think he mentions it in Mordred and Dead as well. Um, so yeah, it's um, made a lasting impression on the Doctor that one. I think. It's making all these people clamber back, you know, and when it's on UK Gold, they go and watch it. Go, well, this must be amazing. <laughs> and then big man t-rex appears like with his little arms <laughs> oh okay i i am not i'm not down with this all right killing animals in doctor who yeah yeah that that dog isn't um or a stigarax isn't evil he's just following his nature isn't he he's just he's just a badly trained like, it's actually can't <laughs> mail i'm telling you like in survival we murders off two domestic cats mm. Oh, bless him. Look, he's trying to go quite fast, but he, he can't quite. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, yeah, do you know, I can see why you might not show this to a non-fan. <laughs> but, but that's, I think that's the sad thing, is they would be missing out on some really good stuff but yeah. okay so here's a big question for you then do we have to make 
like big allowances to enjoy the best of Doctor Who. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't be. I can't be objective with it. So that's yeah. what I find, especially especially these ones that I saw when I was eight. Um, I I just don't question these things. I don't. I don't question performances or the fact that, like you said about the big square, isn't. Like I've just always just accepted it. Like this, this is. Um, in your you know, in this... your podcast, have you done an episode where you've asked somebody who's never seen Classic Who to watch something and comment on it? Um, yeah, very very briefly. Yeah, I got um, I got an old school friend of mine. It was actually started. He'd never watched Doctor Who, and then um, when we were podcasting about series ten, because that was supposed to be a, a really good jumping on point, wasn't it, for uh, for, for new viewers when Bill came in. So I watched that and interviewed him a couple of times as the series went on, and then I got him to watch City of Death because he was a big Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan, and he did absolutely love it. But I mean, that's the that's the easy one to show a non-fan, isn't it? That's the um, I made. Uh, so I wanted to do one of these with somebody that had never seen Classic Who before. <clears throat> so I got my friend Alison to choose a story for a series of like questions about numbers, and we watched Day of the Daleks. <clears throat> and she really enjoyed it, but she had a lot to say about like how women were represented and things like that. And I don't think we see that as fans, you know. I don't think sometimes no, we do, I... but we love it so much we kind of smooth over the rough edges. Yeah, I feel like that's something that I, I become more aware of. Yeah, the older you get, you watch it, and the because um... <clears throat> yeah, the theory in particular, isn't it? That was there some suggestion that they that they didn't put as many women in because they didn't want to see women in peril or, or being killed or something like that. Um, but yeah, it just, just leads to really poor representation and, and only showing men in uh, sort of interesting situations or positions of power. But in, in the same breath, they put Sarah Jane in like the most horrific yeah. <laughs> situations every week. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Oh, this is... Oh, see, now, the Candyman gets his demise here, doesn't he? He, goes, he ends up down the pipe. But I kind yeah. of feel like, is there something missing here? Because it feels really hasty. The, yeah, I'm not sure. It's it, This is shot at a different time, I believe. So when, when we're going to see him in the pipe shortly, he doesn't have that metal, um, I don't know what you call it, but it's almost like a moustache, isn't it? It comes down from where his ears would be across the top of his mouth. So maybe, maybe he's been he's, to the dentist and he's just taken his retainer off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so when he's running towards the camera shortly, although it's quite dark, um, that that's missing from his face. Um, but you, yeah, you don't know what happened to him in the tunnel while, um, while he was down no. there. But it is great that he's dispatched by his own method. That's weird. yeah, that's 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 proper good. Um, Doctor Who villain demise, isn't it? That um, hoist by their own petard. Because uh -huh. they, they promised, um, they promised Bassett's that they would never ever bring him back. Oh, really? I was going to say because, like, like if there was ever a villain right for a return, yeah, he can have a, a part in line like Grendel in Andros Atara, some wicked sweet pump, you know? Yeah. A, a minute ago, um, she asked Helen, Helen A, "You look unhappy about something." That's a great scene as well. She she can't hide anymore that things are going to shit. You know, her empire is toppling. Yeah. So 
So you're saying every, t- everything that's at the top of that set, that's all a model? Yeah, so all, all those moving sort of wheels and things, it's a model that's been superimposed over the rest of the set. But I, I think it's it's one of the, the like, that's a fantastic effect. Like, I've never questioned it till I don't know if it was in the, the complete history or something like that that I was reading about that. It's, it's perfectly seamless. Yeah. Looks very, very good. I love this as well. The, um, obviously, there has been a subtle um, commentary on how gay people were treated in the 80s. And here we have Helen A's other half and this guy who run off together. Yeah. <laughs> Not the hottest gay couple I've ever seen in my life, but, you know, representation is representation. That's it. Yeah, and it's great because he's been just um, very meek and, and gone along with her all along and been browbeaten. But yeah, at the end, um, he, yeah, he just takes off, takes takes her escape shuttle and leaves. And Helena here proves how weak she is because the second the ships are down, she's off. She's not willing to, um, you know, acknowledge what she's done and how she's treated people and accept her punishment she's on the first freighter she's going to start up somewhere else and even when she's going she's still like i'm happy yeah <laughs> yeah really happy about it i love the suitcase she's got with the bits kind of sticking out of it as well like yeah that kind of comedy thing of, of having packed so quickly but there is there is a not so subtle commentary here, isn't there, about the masks that we wear and how, you know, how we try and pretend that we are happy all the time when actually life can be pretty sad sometimes. Yeah. Oh, bless. I love it when he's The effect of the shuttle as well, it's um, it's kind of very stylized as well, but so a little bit, I know, I know they've done it, but like it's like this ship in um, Life of Brian or something. Um, yeah. Where it's it's it an odd sort of flappy model. It does feel like there's like, a, like, sometimes in Doctor Who, I feel like they haven't had a, like a tone meeting in Classic Who, like they do in New Who. But it does feel like everyone's working from the same call sheet here, isn't it? Like they're, they're going for a deliberate theatrical effect. Yeah. And it, and it, 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 it watched the, the behind the scenes, how far it strayed from Graham Curry's original ideas and mm. scripts, where it was much more um, based on America, I think, and the, okay. you know, what, what it perceived as a, the, the sort of the fakeness and the, the fake cheer of, of Americana. Because it's, uh, it's moved a lot, on a lot from that. That line that he just had there, I use that all the time. Really, dear, it must have slipped my mind. <laughs> it's usually about domestic chores and things like that. <laughs> the one, uh, the one, the line from Doctor that I always use um, is because um, I just probably like a, a typical husband type thing. I can never find things in cupboards. Right. Like uh, my wife will say, you know, it's, it's, it's there, and and I always say, well, if it's there, it must be expertly hidden. Which is from uh, Towns of Wen Cheyang when they're looking for the trapdoor in the cellar. Oh, uh, yeah. looking for some kind of way in or out, and the doctor's like, well, if it's here, it must, must be expertly in. Because I remember when I was a kid, it really struck me that um, that line, expertly in, I thought, God, it, it must be somebody's job to be an expert. <laughs> <It's actually laughs> like, <laughs> it must be a skill that you can obtain. And it yeah. always stuck with me. And 
My no, other half has that skill. I'll tell you what, because I can't find yeah. any bloody thing in this house. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, my word. <clears throat> Simply one of the best active pieces, I think. <laughs> yeah, so we're here at the, the final showdown between the Doctor and Helen A. And you would think that Sylvester McCoy would pale in, uh, you know, going up against Sheila Hancock, and he is there, beat for beat. <clears throat> yeah. I told them to be happy. Oh, see, I could just watch this. This is this is so good. I just... It is brilliant. Isn't it? Because she genuinely believes it all, um, and the doctors sort of. It's a mixture of pity and disgust for her. It's, it, yeah. That is Thatcher for the good of the majority. Yeah. And what were these opportunities you gave them? A bag of sweets, a few tawdry yeah. party <laughs> games, bland, soulless music. Well, they worked for a party. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then the coin bit, uh, McCoy actually did as well. Because he's, um, he, he can do a bit kind of magic and stuff, can't he? So he, um, he actually produced the coin there. The fact that she thinks she can run away from sadness as well. I, I've known people like this. Where they hold back. The tears, a place where people pull themselves together. Oh, sorry. That's it, isn't it? You stiff up a lip. Uh, yeah. This then, is just perfect. That, that they, they, all the stuff with Fifi up to that point, you've seen that she's the only person she shows affection to, and everything uh, else. And then they, she just plays this scene. She um, perfectly, you know, it feels like real grief, doesn't it? And the pullback and the saxophone mute, the saxophone, the uh, harmonica. Yeah. And it's just so great that it's like the doctor normally comes in and he's like the revolutionary that makes things better. Here, he has to reintroduce like the idea of sadness into a society for them to be complete. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah, the, the, the whole thing is there, isn't it? About you know, sadness. Uh, happiness is nothing, you know, without sadness. And oh, I see, they're all taking off their wigs now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that, I suppose that idea of sort of forced fun is just. Um, it's like in the office, isn't it? I think um, the, the character in that talks about that. You know, in sort of red nose day or whatever, and just forced into that kind of forced organized fun in an office yeah. or a workplace and it's just like ah so, well, no. so i did i did a commentary with somebody who hates christmas because he's like don't make me be happy for a day <laughs> like i'll be happy i'm happy all the time but don't say you've got to be happy and it's got to be the best day ever because that's not how life works yeah most people try and force a happy christmas and end up having a miserable time <laughs> you know <laughs> They did like going out on those taglines, didn't they? Happiness will prevail. Um, do you remember in um, Silver Nemesis, it's Doctor, who are you? You know. Yeah. Okay, Mark, I've got a question for you. And this is something I ask everybody at the end of these. Why should, on the back of this commentary, people go to their shelf immediately on this Sunday afternoon? I better make sure I put it out on Sunday now. And, uh, <laughs> and watch the Happiness Patrol. 
Uh, because it's brilliant. It's 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 three episodes that absolutely zip by of of classic Doctor Who. Sylvester McCoy is he's on top form. It's a terrific story, terrific script. It's endlessly quotable. Um, yeah, with, with brilliant villains, um, Helen A and the Candyman. You know, you're looking to get one villain of that calibre, and in this story, you've got two. And I'll only add, get over the go-kart. It's bloody brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that just leads me to thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'm, I'm intruding on your Sunday afternoon here to do this um but i hope i can entice you back very soon to talk about a peter capaldi episode go on okay you tell people what we're going to talk about next time absolutely yeah we're going to talk about deep breath deep breath which is a story that you very much like i love it and i am much more on the fence with so that might be a somewhat more uh contentious conversation but i'm looking forward to it great Thank you very much.